0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success.
1: And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. Okay, and that means that uh, September is over with, right? Tomorrow is the first day of the fourth quarter, October. So, uh, we're done with the third quarter and we're going to get some statistics. We get the jobs, jobs the official jobs report this Friday. And we'll know how many jobs are produced. And the ADP jobs report came out and that was pretty strong. So, uh, we'll see what the official jobs report looks like. Anyways, uh, the economy is coming out of that deep recession that we put ourselves in. But it's going to be you know, depending on openings, you know, how strong and how long different places are closed across the country. Everything has to be open and going. Then we'll know uh, really what kind of economic recovery we have. Um, but today there was news, more news out about their. the two sides are talking about that new spending package. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I have my doubts and I've said it before on the radio that it will happen because one side or the other is going to say it, it's going to benefit them in the elections. Everything's about the elections right now. It's funny. They they say they worry about the people. Both sides do. And you know what? They worry about themselves first. And I'm not... I'm talking about both sides. You know, uh, yeah, they want to do what's right for the country. I'm sure they do. But they also want to help themselves. So, you know, we're just dealing with it. We're going to have to deal with it. We're going to deal with the COVID, COVID toll. As I said, till we get a vaccine or do we get back to a normal normalcy of some kind? And that will happen, by the way. That's, that's not like never going to happen. No, it's going to happen. We'll get back to a, a more normal activity. I really believe that. I really do. I'm Steve Peasley, and today in the program and podcast, I will do my best to answer questions. That's what this show is all about. Your financial and investment questions. It's call-in show. And our number is open right now 99 chart 888-992-4278. You can call and ask any question you want, as long as it stays in the financial realm. So, how did the market do today? Well, actually, it did quite well. I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys uh, really pay as much attention as I do. The market started off, you know, nicely, and then it got stronger and stronger as the day went on. Uh, then it fell back from its high. We've got Dow was up like 500 points or so. And it did, and it fell pretty back down to 100. Then came back in the last 15, 20 minutes. So what happened is the Dow ended up being up 329 points. Okay, the NASDAQ up, 80, NASDAQ up 82, and the s up 28. So it was a pretty good day for the last day of the month. We've had a pretty good week. But you know, the whole month, it was a down month down month first down month we've had in several months so that's what the market did today i have a number of talking points i want to get to uh, uh one is are we you know are we done with our pullback that we've had a 10 percent pullback in the nasdaq between six and seven or so in the rest of the indexes but not nearly as strong for the overall market but are we done with a pullback that's the question I would like to talk. We'll get to that if we can before the end of the show. I have other points. Do I want to talk about? Um, now, uh, the housing uh, uh, pending home sales number came out, so I want to discuss that if we can too. So, what is on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Uh, so, go ahead. Why don't we go ahead and get to our first caller? Let's go do that. 888-99-CHARTER is our number. Eight 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 Let's go to Sheree in Dallas. Let's talk about insurance. Hi, Sheree.
2: Uh, hi, Steve. Love your show. I have a question about
0: what are your thoughts
2: on universal index life insurance? Uh, it's the way you pick the policy and you get to choose to invest in indexes. Uh, uh-huh.
1: Is this a whole life, or universal life you're talking about? yes that's right okay uh yeah well the universal life whole life they they are life insurance that have a component of investments in them and i don't really particularly care for them but you can buy different indexes some of them they you can buy different mutual funds many of them you can buy any kind of mutual fund you want most of them don't allow you to buy individual stocks though but mutual funds they let you do that um my, my whole thing is if you need life insurance, Sheree, if you need life insurance, my suggestion is always pick term life and then whatever the difference in premium between term life because it's going to be a lot cheaper, the difference between term life and the whole life, take that difference and buy an index fund ETF in any kind of program and just add to it every month and you'll probably be way ahead of the game by the 10 years past, 15 years past. I get too many people, Sheree, years later, canceling their life insurance policy because it's getting too expensive for them in retirement. So I'm not big. I'm not a big keen person on universal life or whole life. I'd rather see it do it the way I suggested it. And you should check it out to see how much money you can save on the premium and how much you can invest. Appreciate the call. Thank you, Sheree. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program with five new shows every week, Monday through Friday, same hour, two, four to five Pacific time, live or live. So I hope you will tell your friends and family members and everybody else to listen to Invest Talk. Justin Klein and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive for you. And whenever you have investment questions, I encourage you to explore our podcast library. So you can search, listen, subscribe, and take a second, if you would, to rate the Invest Talk podcast. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888 99Chart.
3: It's an Invest Talk Wednesday. Steve Peasley is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk eight eight
1: eight ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's talk to Gene in North Carolina. Gene. Thanks for taking my call, Steve. Thank did you. Did you hear did you
2: hear that uh, the story? There's a story going around that the Social Security benefits for people turning 60 years old this year will be lower because of the economic shutdown, that the, because of the average wages being lower for this year.
1: Uh, no, I didn't. I don't think that's possible. That's not how they, that's not how they figure out the uh, the amount of benefit you get. It, it, you know, I don't know how they would. I, no, I, I don't think that's a true story. Uh, uh, because, uh, go ahead. I've, I've seen it several places, and the, the, this is
2: how it works. It, you, the average wage, the, the 35 highest years of your income are used to determine your benefits. Correct. But the, Correct. But the wages, your annual wages, they're indexed to the growth of wages throughout, throughout your working years until you turn 60. So the average wage of of, of workers are used as a, a reference point to boost up all the other wages from your previous years. If you worked, if you made hundred thousand dollars thirty years ago, that's worth more than a hundred thousand dollars of wages Today. you made last year. You have to boost. you yeah. have yeah. to adjust it up, right? And they use the reference of the way average wages for the at the age you turn sixty as a
1: reference point. Okay, Does this sound familiar. That at all? that might be. S- s- so, and you're saying because the wages this year are less then their reference point is less, therefore your benefit may be less. Is that what you're saying? The calculation may be less. That and they, and they, is very they possible. Average, they
2: don't count. They don't. They don't count unemployed un- people completely unemployed. They just count people who actually have a wage this year. Uh-huh. So, for example, if 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 a quarter of the people, a quarter of all the workers. Did't work for three months, a quarter of a quarter that's six percent. The average wages compared to last year actually may go down by six percent. There's an article for example in, in this month uh, September's Ki- Kiplingler's magazine. Uh-huh. the author is Sandra Buck. You can read about it. but it, 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 it sounds you know, they have to determine what this number is and make all the adjustments by the time you turn 62 because as you know, 62 is the earliest age you can take right. uh, retirement benefits. So by the time right. you turn the age 60, so somehow that's some kind of magical year or the last year in which they index all your previous years to wage growth.
1: Then that is possible. Um, that I, I can see because it is a pretty complex computation. But they do have to have a base year. So and that is possible. But I haven't read about it. I think I'll look that up and see if I can get some information. I appreciate the call, though. Thanks, Gene. Talk to you soon. Thank you. My focus point today looks at the comments by a noted monetary theorist who says that in the immediate future, the market will be precarious. So, this is Warden Professor Jeremy Siegel, by the way. Uh, He thinks uncertainty is going to continue, which I agree with him. We're going to have that. But he looks forward to a really good run in the market next year. Why? Why is that? Well, I think that's gonna be pretty interesting. Well, that's gonna be our one of our focus points today. Okay, from time to time, I'd like to remind you here on invest Talk and at my company, KPB Financial, based in Irvine, California. We operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. And you know, we try to provide, we do provide unbiased guidance. And I do invest my own money right alongside my clients. I do do that. And we got uh, various uh, investment strategies we implement. Uh, like five I think it's five programs and each one's different and each one has a different risk level some of we go from very high risk to very low risk depending on what the, the client likes or wants so and I also encourage you to take our pre uh, free portfolio review assessment we'll do that for free also you can you can also take our, uh, our risk questionnaire called Riskalize, or it's called Riskalyze and uh, it, it, will ju- it will give you your, your risk tolerance. How much risk are you willing to tolerate? Then we try to look at your portfolio and kind of match the risk tolerances. See if they match. If they don't, why not? And try to just give you more information. That's what we try to do. So if you want to do that, you can go to investtalk.com, take a look at our website, take a look, go to the risk Riskalyze, or just send me an email from there. But if you want a free portfolio view, we'll be happy to do it. Let's go to Alejandro in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Alejandro, uh,
2: thanks for taking my call.
1: <laughs> Thank you for calling.
2: Yeah. So yeah, thanks. Yeah. So I wanted to call and ask you about Rocket Mortgage. Um, I've had it now for uh, a couple of weeks now, about around twenty-four. Um, you know, it's been trending down, so um, you know, I'm not too worried about the price. But pr- pretty much, I just wanted to ask you. Uh, your outlook on the, on the stock moving forward, um, especially with, you know, have the housing market being pretty high. I think we got some, uh, mortgage applicant numbers today that were pretty positive, but, uh, nice. the stock is pretty much, uh, pretty much standing still right now in the 19 to 21, 22 range. So just wanted to see what you, what you think of it. And if, if you do see some sort of uh, good future, if I should maybe, um, hold it or um, what, what I should do with it.
1: Okay, this is a fairly new IPO. Came out in August, so it's really new. Uh, it's called Rocket Companies, a Detroit-based uh, company providing digital solutions to get uh, mortgage uh, for home ownership and financial freedoms kind of thing. Uh, it's a thirty-nine billion-dollar company, so it's not small. They did the, the why did why is it not? It shot up from its IPO price to $34, like from $19 or so to $34. Now it's back to $19 or so. Why did it do that? Probably because it has huge growth this this year in earnings. Earnings are good, $3.36. But next year they're going to fold it down to $1.56 because the estimate is that growth is going to slow down and fast. Even though it's doing great now, So everybody's looking forward. And and my suggestion is to stay away from IPOs for at least six months. Six months. On the next Investop program, economic recessions or not, the IPO market is set for a flurry, rivaling the dot-com era. But buyer beware. Please be be aware. That story is tomorrow, everybody. And that ties into the question we just had about Rocket. Give me a call. 888-99-CHART.
3: You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 chart. 888 992
1: 4278. Okay, let's jump right into the focus point today. It looks at, you know, we look at the comments, we're looking to look at the comments made by the monetary theorist, uh, Jeremy Siegel. Okay, and he says, he says that in a, the title of the article the stock market could be rough for the next few weeks, but 2021 will be another story. Now, he's a Wharton professor, he's written a number of books. And he, you know, he's been around a long time. So, is he right? Well, what's nice is he's not saying anything different than what I've been saying. And that is, he's saying, okay, the, the election is causing a lot of uncertainty and then the, there's no tailwind coming from the new stimulus because they're still arguing about it. And we haven't got it yet. But he's pretty certain that the new, the stimulus will come. This will be what? The third or fourth one? I don't know. And when it does come, that's going to give a big tailwind to the market. I, if you've listened to the show over the weeks, you know that I've been saying that, exactly. So it's good to know that I'm at least thinking the same wavelength he is. So what about short-term? See, short-term, it's, it is precarious. We don't know, you know, what the two sides are going to do with this stimulus package. But we do know both sides think they need a stimulus package, think the economy needs a stimulus package. It's the election that is causing grief, the politics of it trying to get together and get something done. Each side wants to take advantage and want to say they, they won. I don't know why they do that. It's just silly. You know, because really, if they do their job, they want to help America and us. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They just get an agreement, move on. Negotiate an agreement. Both sides be a little bit flexible, and we're done. But once we got it, all that money, we're talking not a few hundred billion dollars, we're talking trillions. A couple of trillion, probably, at least. The last thing I heard was one and a half to three trillion, somewhere in that range. That's huge money, and it will be very beneficial for the economy and the stock market. Of course, that means three more, one and a half to three more trillion in debt, which, which we're going to have to face someday. Just not facing it. No one's facing it or thinking about it at this point. And probably rightfully so. We've got big issues that we have to deal with. So let's keep moving. Here comes a caller question from Michigan. It came in earlier at 888 99 chart.
2: Hi, Stephen Justin. This is John from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you guys for the podcast and all the great information you provide. The ticker symbol I was hoping to get your thoughts on is IESC. Thank you so much and have a great day. Bye.
1: Okay, IESC, IES Holdings, Inc., it's a small company, $668 million. That That's pretty small, pretty small. Provides electrical data communications, uh, contracting services to commercial, industrial, resident and residential customers. Okay, so uh, electrical data communications and contracting services. It, it does about how much sales? About two hundred ninety three million sales a quarter, and that's been pretty consistent. It's been growing consistently. The most recent quarter grew four percent. The quarter before that thirteen percent, and last year is growing about twenty percent. So that's not bad. It's a thirty one dollar stock. Uh, Going to make a dollar made a dollar seventy nine next year, and I don't have estimates for next year. Made a dollar seventy nine last year, but I don't have estimates for this year which is surprising. Usually there's estimates. Um, the stock has moved up, you know, same as same as all other stocks from March lows, right? March low was like $14 a share. Now it's 31. So it's a over 100% return. Uh, in that time, it's a, it fell down on the recent pullback from a new 52-week high. So I don't, I mean, the growth, sales growth is going to slow. It's not, it's super expensive it's kind of fair. I think it's kind of fairly priced right now, but since I don't have next year's earnings projections it's hard for me to tell cash flow is very strong at 228 uh, and it looks like the return of equities are really good at 16% and mutual funds are buyers they're slowly buying it so all those three things are pretty positive I, I think you could probably take a shot at this company I like the, I like where it is I do like what the, the field that they're in. It's just a small company, so being small, it could be fairly erratic. Up and down, up and down. It's hard it's hard to do that. Because before the COVID it was a twenty six dollar stock. Then COVID drove it down to fifteen. Now it's at thirty thirty one seventy seven. That kind of movement. It was pretty good. Okay, here are some developments to illustrate how difficult the economy can be even as it is recovering. Trending home sales are up over 8.8%. That is very, very strong. Okay. Very, very strong. So it makes it difficult. Well, is the housing market pretty good? It looks pretty good to me. Okay, so let's get to our trivia question before we break. This year, 2020, has been a very big year for stocks, market listings, lots of new IPOs, but take a deep breath before you jump headfirst into an IPO. You know what I think about that. Too too soon. Be careful. So as we go to break, here's the question. For various reasons, companies can also be delisted. Why? And can you name several famous companies that have been delisted? I'll have the answer after the break, but for now, my phone lines are open. The number is 888-99-CHARGE.
4: Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com. dot com.
3: This is Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume, because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I gave you my trivia question. For various reasons, companies can all, can be delisted. Instead of being listed like an IPO, they can be delisted, taken off. Can you name some of the famous ones that has happened? Okay, here's the answer. A company that seeks to sell its stock on the NASDAQ or other major public exchanges must meet and maintain a number of listing requirements. Okay? financials and and numbers some of the numbers are they got to have a a certain price of the stock to be listed can't go below a certain price i think on a new york it's like five dollars a share new york stock exchange uh so but they have certain financial uh levels they have to read they have to maintain and be above to stay on if they fall below that they're not automatically taken off but they are told they're given time periods. They are told they, they got to what they have to do to stay listed. But there are, some of them delist them, so they get delisted. I don't think it doesn't happen. So delisting can be voluntary or mandatory. When it's mandatory, it's going to be for cause, okay? For cause. Delisting arguments and proceedings can be complex, and here's some. Examples, but I'm not giving you the whole story. September 10, 2020, AstraZeneca, AZN, voluntarily delisting. Maytag, April 20, 2006, their public income notes were delisted. Notes paying quite a bit of yield 7.85, 7, 7.875%. April 4, 2006, General Motors Corporation. No, they were delisted. They voluntarily delisted. Reason why they voluntarily delisted is because the New York Stock Exchange might have delisted them uh, themselves because they filed for bankruptcy. Remember that. Um, What else? Let's see. Um, The Federal Securities Laws also allowed the SEC to suspend trading in any stock for up to ten trading days. With the SEC, When the SEC determines that a trading suspension is required in the public interest and for the protection of investors. Whenever that's ever happened, stock tanks. So I don't know how much is the public interest because the investors lose tons of money when that happens. When the SEC suspends trading. So this happened March 19, 2003, with Health South, Health South Corporation. The SEC acted because of questions raised about the accuracy and adequacy of the company's earnings and assets and their financial condition. So that's the kind of thing that can happen. As it turned out, this became the infamous $2.8 billion accounting scandal at Health, South, at Health South, which was perpetuated from 1996 through 2002. It left a trail of misery in its wake. It really did. So, the markets, yes, the market can produce lots of rewards, can do really well, but it can also be very painful at some time. So, don't think everything is just rosy. It's not all rosy. Okay? So, as you know, we try to keep things moving, keep the pace going. 888 99 Charter is our number. Here's a question that came in earlier.
2: Hey, Stephen Justin, longtime listener. I just have a question. I've been hearing about you advertising for your covered call strategy. And as a fellow covered call income investor myself, I just was intrigued and interested on if you like to sell weekly calls or monthly calls. And also what went into determining what strike you were going to sell at. Do you have a set percentage of premium you like to receive when you sell your calls? Or do you look at it as how much percentage you will make if your strike hits and your position is called away? I look forward to hearing your answers and anything else you have to talk about on the covered call strategy during your podcast. Thank you again.
1: Well, uh, we're probably not, I'm probably not going to talk about it. I'm probably not going to give you what we our strategy is and how we do it. I will tell you some things. We do it uh, on a monthly basis, not a weekly basis. All um, most options expire the third week of the third Friday of every month, and we base that strategy on that strike price, what that price that day, the expiration date. Um, how we work it, what's our premium that we're looking for, how much minimum will we? Those are all kind of part of our proprietary information. We'd like to keep close to our best. so I'm really not going to share that with. And by the way, Justin is a lot more. He's the one that, that implements that strategy, so he's the one that would be the one to answer the question. But he's he's, not, he's going to do the same thing I just did. He's not going to answer any specific questions of how we how we do that. Sorry about that. Okay, um, will the will are we going to rally further? or Are we still going to be in our pullback? Are we going to come more pullback? Um, I think we're. I think we. I think the pullback is done. I think. Barring any black swan event coming and just destroying whatever it is, uh, you know, whatever could happen, I, I think the pullback is done. And we're looking at, going forward, I think we're looking at a market that's going to be much stronger next year, as we talked about earlier with the main uh, main discussion point here. One of the reasons, I have other reasons, more reasons than Siegel. Siegel gave... That, you know that the, the, the big package spending package is going to be the main driver and I would agree with that. Probably you know the new any new spending package is going to be a big driver and I do think we're going to have one. but we also have right now 4.3 trillion dollars in cash sitting on the sidelines. That's 20% of the equity market that much money. Where's it going to go? You think it's going to just sit there on the sidelines? No. It's going to come to into the market. Now, is it going to go into CDs? Is it going to in into savings? I doubt it. Corporations are sitting on a huge cash hoard, record cash hoard. Where's all that money going to go? It's going to find its way into equities. Yes, it can find its way into bonds. It can find its way into stocks, gold. Currencies, I don't know, It's gonna, but that money is just not going to sit there. Money is made to work, so where is it going to go to work? And I think that, plus this big spending package, they're the drivers that are going to move this stock market higher next year. That's my opinion. Okay? So, what do you think? I'm Steve Peasley and you're listening to Invest Talk. So obviously you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP premium newsletter. I write that every week, it's distributed every Friday in your email box. Okay? And and you know, every week I talk about the statistics, the numbers that came out that week, what the market's doing, what some of the what what, what politics might be doing to the Investors, something—it's always market focused. And I always give a couple stock ideas. I give a, 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 some lessons on portfolio management. So you know, it's it's there every week. If you want to subscribe, very easy. Uh, just go to InvestTalk.com, InvestTalk.com with two T's. Subscribe to the premium newsletter. I'm ready to take your questions. Eight 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 ninety nine chart.
3: This is Invest Talk. Good news, Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or InvestTalk.com for the free August rapid-fire hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial.
2: Hi, Stephen, Justin. Uh, my name is Deepak, and I'm calling about uh, Goldman Sachs, GS. I have about uh, 700 or so shares at a basis of about 240. I'm not sure how I can get uh, out of this. Um, The dividends are nice, but I'm still very far away from breaking even. Someone told me I should start selling uh, covered calls, but I'm not sure if that will help since I'm so far away from the uh, price. What are your thoughts on Goldman Sachs? Is it something you you would recommend holding or just getting rid of and cutting your losses? Thank you.
1: Okay, Goldman Sachs, $69 billion company, huge, provides investment bank, uh, banking, securities, and investment management services worldwide. Personally, I think you just need to be patient, okay, because this all this sector, this financial banking sector has been hit. It's just not recovering. It's just not doing very well, but it will recover. Especially these Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, those kind of banks that are in securities investment part of the market, I think they have good prospects going forward. It pays a 2.5% dividend. You bought it, it looks like, pretty much at the top of the market, and you paid, you know, it might have looked to you cheap at $240, but it really wasn't cheap uh, because the, this this company always sells at a fairly low PE, from between nine, uh, between six and fifteen, and right now it's at nine. So it's going to make fourteen dollars and ninety six cents this year. That's down from twenty one dollars last year, twenty four dollars the year before. Next year it's supposed to rebound to twenty three dollars a share. So that means you know you're going to be at a what a ten PE. So I think I think you just I think you just let just relax and just hold on to it. Just enjoy the dividends. It will recover. I'm a, this is a core core holding. This is a stock you hold for because because it's long term, very strong, and it will continue to do that. But there may be a year or two where it's not, and you're in that you're in that period right now. I mean, this stock is selling pretty much what it was a, one year ago today. Right around two hundred dollars. So, you know, these are the kind of stocks. These big blue chip kind of stocks. You wait till they go on sale. You don't chase them. Don't chase them. You wait till they go on sale. And this went from two hundred and forty uh, in the beginning of this year all the way down to one hundred and thirty-five. Then it's come back to two hundred. It got up to about two twenty a couple of times and it's been driving sideways for three months now. Eventually, it will be fine. You just gotta relax. Okay, as I mentioned, pending home sales uh, for August were up uh, 8.8%. Did you know that was a record? The estimate was for it to be up 3.1%. So it blew out the experts. Experts are way, way off. Okay, and then did you know that that was four months in a row increase? And of course, it's all about you know, low mortgage payments. It really is. And uh, it's up 24.2% year over year. So, so, yeah, the housing market, and we've had statistics the last couple weeks that I've been talking to you about. The housing market, which is a very important leg of our economy, is doing great. Thank goodness it's doing great. And this is one of the reasons why people talk about uh, instead of a V recovery that we're having, we're having a K recovery. And in some sectors are moving up and some moving down. And it's pretty much true. You know, overall, the if you put both those two up and down together, the economy is recovering from its shutdown levels. And we'll know more by Friday when we get the next payroll report. So, and remember, we're going to get third quarter GDP numbers. And it, this is the last trading day. So next week, I I, I'm pretty sure, I think that's when we get them. Well, yeah, they don't come out this week, but they'll be, uh, probably be out next week. So I think that's going to be very telling. Now, if we move quickly, maybe I can get another question in for the same number, 888-99-CHART.
2: Hi, this is Derek from Columbus, Ohio. And this is a question for Justin, because I I know he talks about how the uh, SEC doesn't crack down on fraud. Why is that, and why is it bad to invest
1: in companies that partake in fraud? Thank you. Well, obviously, they're going to have to restate their numbers, so, you know, when someone does fraudulent activity, uh, it usually shows up in their numbers. And eventually, they have to restate them. I just gave you an example. Health South for several years did that. Uh, the SEC they, they they just don't find it. It's not like they don't want. You know, they're not they're ignoring it. I don't think they ignore it if they see it, but they just can't find it. Too many smart people outsmarting them. That's what it is. You work for the SEC. You know, some of the high powered, high up people are pretty smart, but the workers. Yeah, they're just workers. They don't have that much incentive to find fraud. I mean, and that's probably not part of their mandate. I don't know. I don't know all the rules. I'm not sure what Justin was referring to, but the SEC does does do its job. They audit you. He, he's probably referring to auditing. And when they're auditing you, they they the honest guys. Let me tell you the truth. The honest guys try to do the right thing. But the laws are so convoluted, sometimes they get in trouble. But, for instance, why didn't the SEC catch uh, Madoff? Billions of dollars of fraud, and they audited him, and they still couldn't find him. Probably what Justin's referring to, stuff like that. This is InvestTalk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after the break, so get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART.
3: are listening to invest talk and the market has been interesting so you'll have important finance and investment questions and steve and justin welcome your calls now invest talk 888-99-CHART
2: yes i'd like to know uh this is mark from san diego about this new stock bis been own a bunch sold off a lot unfortunately during the march lows at rebound. And uh, it seems like the government's popping up the market in general, so I don't know where Disney's going at this point. I know the valuation was pretty low, so I really thought at this time to keep, to sell, or to buy more things. Right.
1: Okay, this is Disneyland. D I S the Walt Disney Company, worldwide entertainment leader uh, in media, parks, resorts, uh, you know, vacation, you know, boat shipping, you know. It's, it's got Three major income sources And that's movies TV And the parks Everything else can produce money for them Like toys and things But those are the three major income sources Movies have been shut down pretty much They're just starting to reopen uh, Disneyland parks are closed Pretty much And they're trying to get you know talk uh, Here in California They're trying to talk to the governor And letting them reopen But so far it's no uh so they got you know, and they have TV, which is their best performing sector right now because people are home watching TV. So one out of three are doing well. So that's why the stock is kind of not doing terrible but not doing very good either. It's still below its old high made in March. actually the high was back in December and from December to the first part of March it was slowly coming down. It's $124 right now. They're going to make $1.49 this year after making $5.77 a share last year. $124 stock. Next year, they're going to make $2.66 because of reopening. So all their problems are related to COVID, obviously. So people still have faith in it or else it wouldn't be at $124. Because that's pretty expensive compared to their earnings. Uh, if you own it, I keep it and just not worry about it. and Put it in a drawer, wait two or three years, and it'll recover. If you don't own it, I don't know. I don't think I'd be a buyer. I wouldn't be a buyer of it at this point. If it got really cheap like it did back in March where it fell to 85 bucks, uh, maybe I'd be a buyer then. I think they will they will recover. Disney. DIS, everybody. Disney. Okay. Okay. Um. I was reading an article and it perked my interest in people collecting Social Security and when, when they are collecting Social Security. Did you know the vast majority of people start collecting Social Security before their full retirement age? vast majority of them, most of them. They claim it early, okay? That to me makes no sense. If you claimed it at 60, 62 versus age 70, do you realize that you'll make 75% more money? you realize that you would be shorting yourself $95,000? I'm just using the average lifespan and the average everything, but you will live longer than you think. And when you take it early, you are just penalizing yourself. When they have the COLA adjustments, cost of living adjustments based on inflation, if you if you're only making taking in two thousand a month versus three thousand and they increase it by three percent that's a huge difference every month you're getting three percent more if you wait from full retirement age of 67 to age 70 wait for that extra three years you'll get eight percent more per month per year so you make like 24 you start up 24 percent higher it makes no sense now there are reasons to take it early one you have to because you don't have any money you don't have retirement and you can't work two you're ill that you won't live long maybe you have a family of people who die with heart disease early then you might take it early because you may not be around I mean there are reasons but the vast majority of people taking it early that makes no sense but it's happening so I'm telling you, try try not to take it early. At the very minimum, wait till your full retirement age, and that's probably around 67 at this point. Of course, that may change because, you know, they're running out of money as they always seem to do, and they may raise the range. Remember, it used to be 65, now 67. And they probably should change about it, I hate to tell you that. Probably should. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another investor program. I will return on Friday with highlights from the newest KPP premium newsletter. In the meantime, please tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Talk podcasts, and it's all free. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com, any one of those places you can download. it. And remember, we also stream the program live each weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Coast time on InvestTalk.com.